Hello, and welcome to the Homes for Hope podcast. My name is Drake Coultry, and I'm the Western U.S. representative for Homes for Hope and your host today. If you're not aware, Homes for Hope is a building industry response to global poverty. Since our founding, we have expanded our mission to serve in over 20 countries and have had the privilege of investing over $1.5 billion in the dreams of underserved men and women through microenterprise development. Today on our show, we have the one and only Frank Bailiff, founder and president of Southern Development Homes. Frank, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? You know, living the dream in Dallas, Texas. And uh, listeners, you are in for such a treat with Frank. He um, is an amazing guy. He's on our board at Homes for Hope. And uh, he's he's a, a great home builder that will try to sell you on a home if you give him enough time. Isn't that right, Frank? Absolutely. I hope we're putting the website up with the click to buy on right now. Of course, of course. We'll throw the the link in the show notes. Um, Well, Frank, for those that uh, may not know of you, can you share a little bit about how you got into the building industry and what exactly it is you do? Yeah, so uh, I was a student at the University of Virginia and uh, wanted to be in the construction industry or land development industry. And I was able to get an internship with a local developer and held a lot of different roles there while I was in college. And before I graduated, he actually sold me some land. uh, And that was uh, something I didn't have any money, Um, but he financed it. And uh, luckily was able to sell a couple lots. And then he provided the first capital for me to build a spec home. And it just kind of went from there. So built uh, one house, then two houses and you know, we do about a hundred homes a year now. That's amazing. And, and Frank, I didn't prepare you for this, so I know you'll love it, but I'm curious, like sincerely, how in college did you just decide like, Hey, I want to be a home builder. Like, that's fun. That's interesting. I don't think I even knew what I wanted my, uh, my degree to be in until I was a junior, let alone what I wanted my career to be. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Um, I guess I was always ready for the next thing. Uh, in high school, uh, a friend of mine and I uh, often built decks. We actually finished somebody's basement. Um, so I, I liked construction and I liked business. And so uh, I studied engineering at UVA and kind of taking those things and scaling them up sounded like a lot of fun. I, I do have to pause for a minute and say, I think it was in eighth or ninth grade that my friend and I were hired to finish the basement. And I, I want to stop there for a minute. We didn't have a driver's license. They had to drive their minivan to Lowe's to buy the material. And we did a terrible job on the drywall. Um, and we would drive our mopeds over there with tools. Um, so I, I don't know if that reflects worse on me or worse on the folks that hired us, but they got a basement with terrible drywall at an amazing price. I love it. Well, hey, when uh, my son hits legal working age, I'll send him out your way during the summers and you can you can put him to work. That's right. We'll get him on a moped and send him out there. Well, uh, Frank, as much as the, the listeners probably found that as humorous as I did, um, th- that is not one of the, uh, segments of our podcast. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna open this up. Uh, this is your opportunity to share a little bit about what exactly you think the building industry should be keeping, uh, front of mind in this, this current economy, this current state, um, and what you think would be beneficial for them to hear today. So d- dive on in. All right. 
Well, it's definitely a weird time in home building. Um, it seems like there really are some demand side issues, uh, affordability being one, um, some concerns about the economy being another, but it seems like that those are largely overshadowed by our number one supply side issue, which is, you know, resale inventory. Um, and I, everybody's market's different, but I know here, uh, we are so, have so few resale homes on the market um, that it's still very competitive for things that are priced well. Uh, and that has driven a lot of people towards new construction. Um, I, there's a lot of headwinds though, and uh, interest rates and affordability have really crushed a lot of people, or crushed a lot of people's dreams of having a home. Um, so that's something we're really concerned about. I know our team has been spending a lot of time trying to think how can we be more efficient how can we make our homes more efficient, um, but still deliver the features and benefits that folks uh, expect in a new home? And it's uh, it's always a challenge. I also think one of the things that concerns me a lot in general with the federal funds rate being as high as it is and what that directs into commercial lending is uh, what seems like a coming credit crunch where uh, the availability for construction financing or financing for development, I would say the availability affordability and even approvability or appetite at the bank level uh, is likely to be pretty small in the coming years, um, just at the time where we need a lot more inventory. feels like a lot of people are in their current homes with their amazing mortgages uh, that don't want to trade up and take that new higher rate and um, it's created quite a pinch on the supply side with more headwinds coming. Um, Something else that uh, maybe is left over from going through the recession, I'm always reminded that no matter what the challenges are in the home building industry, especially on the residential side, uh, the relationships that we have with everybody matter, like trade partners, our customers, the community. Uh, it really takes everybody working together to make things happen. Uh, I know we learned that we're very loyal with our trade base and we uh, have some relationships that have been as long as we've been around since 1999 uh, and lots that are over 15 years and close to 20 years. And I think that's been a key part of how we've been able to navigate different challenges and different markets that we've experienced since 1999. I feel old now, but um, can also say having been through the Great Recession and still alive, uh, it seems like what we have coming is nowhere near that bad, but there's still a lot of challenges ahead. That's good. Um, so I have a question. You, you mentioned the relationships with trade partners. Uh, how do you like practically invest in those relationships yourself? You've said that some uh, of those relationships has have existed since you started and, and some might be newer. But what does it look like when those are the same men and women that you're having to negotiate with at times? Um, what does it look like to invest in those relationships? Well, I think it's important to realize that we need each other. And in our world, uh, keeping that same relationship with that same trade partner has a lot of value. So whenever there is a conflict or um, a disagreement, I think sometimes in today's world, the idea is to uh, just cut that relationship off and move on. And uh, we invest a lot of time into trying to figure out how do we make this a win-win. Uh, and that's really paid dividends. So. Uh, everybody's got different needs at different times. Everybody has different ideas. Um, trade partners may have a better idea on how to do something and making sure that we respect and honor those relationships and realize that how much we need each other. Certainly not a one way. Uh, no relationship works as a one way.
Yeah. Do you guys have any, um, maybe practical examples? Have you done, I know, I know one of our partners did a, a trade partner breakfast recently. Have you guys ever done anything like that to rally everyone together? Yeah, we do a number of things. Um, building a homes for hope was a great one of those things, uh, <laughs> to plug that, but, um, yeah, generally in the summer we'll do food trucks on the job sites, um, uh, on set days where we're really trying to reach the actual physical people working in the communities. Um, that's been very popular. Uh, and then generally late in the fall, we'll do a trade partner appreciation lunch, uh, which I would love to tell you about this place. They have a buffet of the most amazing fried chicken and all the like down home Southern fixings that you can imagine. Um, which is always a big hit, but it's a great opportunity to come together. Thank everybody for all that we've done uh, over the past year. Um, we hand out a couple of awards that our team votes on um, and then let them know what we're expecting for the year to come and what projects we're working on. Um, but it, it's been a great way to, to remind everybody we're really on the same team with so many different things. Yeah, it's a very uh, unique relationship from what I've seen in the building industry is the the builder and the trades and um, not just the decision makers, but those out there uh, actually doing the work as well. And so um, I think I think that's really cool and, and admirable that they, they all do that. Many other builders do, too. But I just wanted to kind of pick your brain on that. Um, one other thing before we kind of shift topics is uh, you mentioned interest rates and uh, they, as the time of this recording, just I believe it was yesterday uh interest rates went up another 25 basis points um if you weren't talking don't think you're talking to the building industry right now let's pretend uh jerome powell is listening to this podcast who's in charge of the federal reserve bank what would you tell him interest rates are doing to home buyers i know you mentioned that for some it's it's keeping them all together away from even being able to pursue their dream of getting a home so what what would you tell jerome if you could say one thing to him (laughs) Well, the first thing I do is try to sell that man a house, but uh, assuming that didn't work. um, Yeah, I mean, the federal funds rate, at least the impact for us, um, and I think other small businesses, um, builders and developers, it it is making the ability to create housing um, with leverage, um, which is an important aspect in the development and the construction world, uh, a whole lot more expensive, which translates to more expensive housing and or delayed projects. Um, you know, the mortgage rate floats at its own, um, on its own market and not directly set by the feds, but, um, long-term rates, mortgage rates certainly, um, are, are crushing a lot of people's ability to own a home. Um, while there's still plenty out there that can, um, there's a lot of people that have really been priced out of the market and you kind of couple the high rates with, um, the supply um, being almost non-existent. Um, prices really haven't come down anything to talk about. Um, it's kind of a tough spot to be in. Yeah, yeah, well, I don't, maybe. I don't think I would be the first person to tell that man that, but hey, they have other priorities yeah. they're trying to manage. Well, Jerome, if you're listening, you heard it here from Frank Bailiff out there in Virginia. Um, okay, well, a little bit of a, a transition here, a little bit of a pivot. But uh, Homes for Hope, we are all about investing in the dreams of men and women around the world um, through micro enterprise loans. Our, our average loan is a little under three hundred dollars, um, and it's beautiful what a little under three hundred dollars can do in the countries that we work in. Um, we are in Rwanda, Zimbabwe, Ukraine, um, Southeast Asia, over 20 countries all around the world. Um, and so with that, uh, Frank, I, I know you know about the work of Homes for Hope. 
Um, but, and, and, and you are all for investing in the dreams of our clients around the world, but we would love to know who invested in Frank Bailiff, who helped you get to where you are either personally or professionally today. And, uh, what exactly did that look like? Yeah, well, part of that, maybe I overshared a little too early, but, um, certainly first my parents that they had, uh, enough resources to send me to college. Uh, and I came out of college without debt, uh, which was very nice. Um, and then second would be the mentor. Uh, his name is Dr. Hurd. Uh, kind of a real estate speculator, developer, builder. And uh, when I was in college, I saw his signs everywhere and happened to drive by uh, their building. And I just went in and asked for an internship. I think it was in my second year. And I got sent back to him and he asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, I wanted to be a builder developer and he hired me at minimum wage, which was awesome and got to spend some summers. And then, um, during the year working on different projects for him. And like I said, he, he sold me some land where he financed, I didn't have any capital to put towards the purchase. Um, so he gave me that shot and then secondary gave me the shot of, um, building homes by providing the capital for a spec home, which turned into a bunch of pre-sales for me. Um, yeah, I did not have the, the cap building homes and buying land is very capital intensive. Um, oh, I, I would not have had another way to do that. And that is one of the things that first attracted me to homes for hope in general was, um, thinking about my story, but also all the small businesses that I've met, um, there's a lot of characters in construction. And honestly, that's my favorite part. And you look at all of these various, um, whether they're framers or concrete guys or electricians, um, there are all these small businesses that got their start in some weird way or some lucky break, or um, maybe maybe had a family member that could give them a loan um, to kind of make something happen that turned into something much bigger. Um, and that that's always been inspiring to me. And Homes for Hope is able to participate that in a in a monumental way and have a, a enormous impact. Yeah, and I'm sorry, you said this gentleman's name was Dr. Herb. Dr. Hurt, H U R T, and okay. he's a Do medical doctor by degree, and that's a very ironic name for a medical doctor. Um, but he's really a real estate guy. That's amazing. And so you said his his signs were were all over town. Like what? It, I, I'm intrigued. What? Oh, the uh, sign. The sign was Virginia Land Company. It, it wasn't Dr. Hertz Land Company. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good to know. Well, what did it, it take in you to just have the the willingness and the tenacity to just go into the office and and ask for an opportunity? That is an amazing question, and I think the answer to that is I was too dumb to know that that was a big thing to do. Um, just like, you know, being young and not having much to risk, any big risk never really felt like a risk. Um, there wasn't much on the line, so there was no reason not to. I was certainly prepared, certainly prepared to hear, no, we don't have an internship, beat it, kid. Um, but that's not what happened. Hey, well, uh, thank God that they, they opened the door for you. They let you in. You might've just gone on to the next building and you could be a dentist <laughs> at this point. Um, but with that, Frank, uh, can you recall a moment in time, um, where Dr. Hurt w was kind of teaching you a lesson or mentoring you in a way that that was a little tough and took a little bit of, uh, patience or a little bit of gusto out of you, um, to continue moving forward? <laughs> yeah, this was a few years, um, after I had started and 
I had built a spec house that I was sure was going to sell for an enormous amount of money, and I was very proud of it, and uh, I had bank financing on it by then, um, so he wasn't directly involved in it. But I was proud, and I took him up there to show it to him, and as we were driving up the driveway, he looked at it, and he just said, oh, Frank, oh, no. And I was like, what do you mean, oh, no? And he goes, I think you're going to sell this for half of what you think you're going to sell it for. And, of course, I was like, oh, well, what do you know? Um, he was exactly right. <laughs> and it hurt. Yeah, that was tough. But I got Was there it. something wrong with the house? Um, yeah, it was next to a rifle range that I didn't really pay much attention to. And I think uh, during one of the showings, there were some guys that drove through the property on some four-wheelers listeners if you took anything out of this podcast so far that's the life lesson right there <laughs> wow um and then I, I i'm curious frank what did it feel like a few years later um after you had just walked through the door and 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 kind of uh pursued this opportunity when dr hurt said hey frank i'm not just going to invest in you with my my time and my wisdom in this internship but i'm going to invest in you financially because i believe in you what did that feel like for a a young entrepreneur Oh, it was amazing. It was everything. Jubilation. I mean, I was super fired up and, um, yeah, there's nothing better than having somebody believe in you and, uh, give you the uh, tools you need to, to do what it is you set out to do. Yeah. Do you think you would have continued to pursue these opportunities had he not been able to invest in you financially? I mean, I'm sure I would have tried whether or not I would have been successful. I don't know. But I would have kept knocking on doors, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's that tenacity is something we appreciate appreciate about you, Frank. And I'm even thinking, um, as you share your story, it just sounds so similar to our clients. They they want that jubilee of just being invested in. They they have the time, the skills, and the talents just like you did after that internship. Um, and they just need a little bit of a little bit of capital, a little bit of an investment um to make their dreams come true. Well, Frank, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a pleasure having you on the Homes for Hope podcast, and it is a pleasure just to even be able to call call you friend. Um, listeners, thanks again for joining us uh, today as well, and then I hope you found this podcast as insightful as I did and are encouraged in the, to invest in the dreams of those around you. Until next time. Mm-hmm.